My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. He is the world's most humble professional wrestler. It is the man known as Damon Spriggle. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I am good. The first thing I need to ask you is where did that moniker come from, Damon? It's quite uh, <laughs> quite striking, and it uh, immediately makes me think of that song, uh, from pop star Never Stop Stopping by Andy Samberg, if you've ever heard that. Where mm, yeah. I have not. <laughs> he has a song about being the most humble, but literally, or like the entire song is him bragging about being humble. It's like, like really fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how did that come about, man? Oh, I was actually watching an anime, because of course, you know, if you're friends with Oren, you have to be watching anime. Absolutely. Uh so I was watching Hunter Hunter, and there's this little clip where the two main characters were describing their power levels. Yeah. And Killua described his power level as like way bigger than Gon's. And then right after, he's like, "Wow, I'm sure I'm humble." And I was like, "Oh, I should just do that." <laughs> I was like, "I'll just be the world's most humble wrestler." Exactly right. Just uh, and I, yeah. And which in itself is when you're like, I'm the world's most humble wrestler, you're bragging about being humble, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, it's just a little bit of a humble brag. And like my theme song had already been like this old pop song that talked about getting as famous as possible. So I was like, I'll just continue to do that. Yeah. And this entire thing will be ironic. That's great. That's literally awesome. (laughs) It's cool. It stands out straight away, man. But yeah. uh, you mentioned his name, uh, our mutual friend, Oren Veit. I had a really great conversation with him. And in that, uh, he had brought you up to me. I had been familiar with your work. I'd seen you on Planet Death. I would uh, I had gone back and watched some Time Bomb stuff and things like that. Um, so I think uh, before we get to all that stuff, I just want to rewind all the way back to the start, man. So how did you get involved with professional wrestling? Like are there early memories of certain you know, wrestling personality faces jumping out at you that that made you, you know, fall in love with this entire thing? Uh, yeah, I remember I first started watching wrestling, like, during, like, 2011, so, like, probably after the whole CM Punk Cena thing. Because, mm-hmm. like, at the time, I was still 11. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of when I got, yeah. And I really kind of gravitated toward Orton. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was really young. 
and I kind of got into the Japanese stuff a little later. Mm-hmm. But like when I really started, started was when the academy opened up uh, in Minnesota, which is run by Mr. Kennedy. Okay, yeah. And so that's where I went to train in about like 2017. Yeah. So from like 27, 2018, I trained there, and that's kind of where I actually got started in wrestling with Ken, and then like Sean Devari was there. Aria came in a few times, so like that's kind of where everyone goes in Minnesota nowadays too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. So you're going through high school and everything like that, and your intention is to always train in wrestling? Like it was just something you wanted to get into? Yeah, pretty much. Like that was always number one ever since probably middle school. Yeah, wow. But I never knew how. Yes, exactly. Like finding Uh, a school and stuff like that must be kind of intimidating uh, when you're first figuring it out. You know, these personalities are larger than life, and you're like, where do I even begin this? Yeah, it is. Especially like, because I had all these different schools, and you're like, oh, you have so many different options. And yet the academy kind of just opened up out of nowhere. Like, I had, in high school, I had no idea. Because I started basically training my senior year of high school. Yeah. So, like, before then, I had no idea how I was going to get into wrestling. And then the academy just opened up like 30 minutes from where I lived. I was like, oh figured it out you know <laughs> that's nice and easy that's not exactly uh yeah. like you hear about some people's crazy commutes i just did a interview with uh big fucking joe from the uk and he told me he used to have to mm. travel by train four hours like each way to go to his wrestling school <laughs> one opens up around the corner and you're like oh well that was easy <laughs> yeah right i don't have like this hard craziness about having to drive everywhere you know, I was just like, oh, it's 30 minutes from my house, and I went there three days a week, yeah. That's amazing. That was about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you're doing that during high school, are you? Like after school or whatever, yeah. on weekends and things like that? Yeah, so like at night, I would go train, and on the weekends, I'd go to different shows and like set up rings. Yeah. You know, and just do like young boy stuff, kind of just like, uh-huh. I'd do that all through high school. Then I kind of graduated high school, and that's kind of when I graduated the academy at the same time. Right. Okay. I actually started doing shows, you know. Right. So so shows came after high school. Pretty much, yeah. Right. And when you're in high school, are you doing anything athletic besides wrestling? Like are you doing high school wrestling, football, any sports like that or or you were just focused on the on the pro wrestling? I was just focused on the pro wrestling. Like my academics pretty good too, which is kind of what I but like I was mostly focused on the wrestling. It's always been that way. So it was just like, oh, we'll get through this, and then so I can become a wrestler. Yeah. And, like, it was – and you always tell people, especially in high school, like your counselor or whatever, like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to be a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, do you want to sign up for college wrestling? It's like, no. Different type of wrestling. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is a little – we're getting a little weirder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of John Cena before? <laughs> They're like, right? What? Yeah, that's yeah. a classic. Yeah, exactly. Now that's wild. Say so in Australia, like wrestling is, you know, so much more of a niche thing. You know, it's not as prevalent as it is in the US. So it always kind of interests me how that works because there are so many, you know, wrestling companies and WWE is so big and it's such like a piece of your culture. Do do you still have like? you know, other students or career counselors at that 
that point or teachers kind of looking down on it? Or are they just like, of course, like that's just a thing we do in America? Like, or is it still like looked at like kind of like a nice thing? Like, that's a weird choice. It's no, it's still looked at as a weird choice. Like, even nowadays, some people don't even look at it anymore. Like, you'll even say, like, John Cena and the only or The Rock, and they won't even know about their wrestling careers, which is like weird to me, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's it's so funny because yeah, it is such a big thing, and obviously such a big thing in America. But I suppose there's so many people that it can still remain a niche if you're not interested in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like, I have to explain to people all the time, even like without explaining what death matches are. Yeah, but just like explaining what normal wrestling is, mm-hmm. which is kind of like half the time I don't like to even talk about it because <laughs> it's like ah, oh, now I'm gonna have to explain how this all works, and it's just gonna be a whole thing. Yeah, um, I've had I've had other people on the show say that before, like rather, especially like deathmatch wrestling and stuff. Like, rather than even explain it or talk about it, you know, there's a few scratches like, oh yeah, I was cleaning the yard or I was doing something like, you know, they just make up uh, an excuse or a, a mystery just so they don't really have to have that conversation and explain it all. Because, like you say, right. it's, a, it's a whole thing, and it's like not that you're ashamed of it, but it's like, do I have to go through this again and explain it all? And it's like, oh, that's so weird. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm going to have to probably show pictures because then they're going to be all interested. And this is a whole, you know, yeah. I don't need that. <laughs> exactly. Who's got time for that? Right? Exactly. You can find me. So you mentioned the Japanese wrestling, and I, I know you're a big fan of that. So at which point does that stuff uh, start to come into focus for you? Uh, probably... When Ring of Honor and New Japan were doing that, there, because I kind of knew about the Japanese stuff, because I was the type of person that, like, if I'm getting interested in something, I got to dive deep, like, yeah. as deep as possible. Yeah. So, like, I'm trying to find everything, and, like, the Ring of Honor stuff was kind of what got me to the bridge into the New Japan stuff, mm-hmm. which is kind of what got me into, like, Noah and All Japan and started watching the older stuff and, like, the more smaller promotions, which is kind of what. I just ended up gravitating towards because I wasn't super into, like, I watched WWE for years, mm-hmm. and then, like, I just stopped being really interested in it mm-hmm. when I hit high school, and I kind of just got interested in still into wrestling, but just, like, I had to get way too deep into it. Yeah. To the yeah. point, like, even my wrestling friends wouldn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit that way, man. Like, when I get into something, like... I tend to go hard on it and it tends to be like my only real focus in, in what I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and diving deep into that. Um, like when, so I, yeah, I grew up like watching WWE and stuff like that. That was all I really knew. And I knew of WCW as well. And then when, you know, the Monday night war type thing happened, I would sort of rent both, um, you know, both pay-per-views and stuff, but we didn't have it on TV here. So it's not like I could watch the Monday Night Wars and, and things like that, right? Mm. So anyway, wrestling goes on. I, I get out of it, as everybody does. I'm in university. I'm doing a band and, and all this kind of stuff, and I don't really have time for it anymore. And once I get back into it, by then um, everything's a lot more obtainable. Everything's more on the internet. Like there's podcasts about it. There's interviews everywhere and stuff, and then it, sucks me back into, you know, everything kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how, like, mm-hmm. I, I was just telling somebody the other day on Twitter, somebody asked or whatever, what go, I think it was Danny DeMonto tweeted, tweeted, 
tweeted, tweeted out like what got you into Japanese wrestling or, or whatever. And I don't even remember how I saw it. Maybe it was an interview on a podcast or something, but uh, AJ Styles versus Nakamura for the IC title mm. at Wrestle Kingdom, right? And I'm like, I got to see this show. Like I, I remember, I remember loading up like the video and, it, and it's like both of them cutting promos about it. And I like Nakamura is like looking like this maniac, like draped across this couch and the IC titles there. And he, I have no idea what he's saying, but it's amazing. And AJ's fired up and there's all these clips. So I'm like, I need to watch this Wrestle Kingdom. You know, I think that was Wrestle Kingdom nine. I don't, I'm not great with numbers and stuff. Um, but then that next year I was like at Wrestle Kingdom. That's how far I take it. You know, it's mm. like now I need to go to Japan and <laughs> experience it is, <laughs> is how far I take it. And then if not for COVID, like we've been there, you know, the last five years in a row, this will be the first January coming up that we won't be going, you know, because of COVID. And oh, like wow. we go month long trips and stuff like that and see the wrestling and travel around and do all that kind of stuff. Um, I assume that being a Japanese wrestling fan, that's maybe bucket list for you. Have you have you been yet? I've never been. I always told myself that like at least the first time I'd go is if I would be brought over to yeah. wrestle. Okay, that's cool. That that was just it's just kind of a thing that's in at least in my head. I was like, okay, I have to do this first because it's always been the goal. Yeah, you know, so but yeah, I think my first Wrestle Kingdom I watched was like seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. Whichever the one had the, the, you know, Jeff Jarrett and the glo- whole Global Force thing was going on. Oh, yeah. Because that's kind of when I first kind of got into watching New Japan was, like, watching probably some illegal stream of that somewhere on the internet. But, <laughs> yeah, YouTube was big, too, into, like, my wrestling journey because that's, like, where I thought the, saw my first death matches and, you know, when I was, like, 12 and... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> way too young to be, be watching yeah, death matches right? on YouTube, which are just readily available. Yeah, because it used to have a bunch of freedoms matches up. Yeah. I remember. So I would watch, like, Kasai Masada, because that would be in only, like, 2012, 2013, like, a lot. Like, all the pain limits, like, that's what I would watch. Or, like, weird Big Japan Edo matches with, like, the balloons that blew like blow up and they rain thumbtacks down and stuff but like this is what i was watching when i was like 13 or 14 on youtube being like wow this is awesome i want to do this <laughs> that's that's amazing and like talk about already shaping like your wrestling journey like you're getting into the proper education nice and early right yeah exactly it, i used to make i don't think i've ever told anyone this but i used to make like old commentaries so they used freedoms used to upload match commentary so when i was like 13 mm-hmm. i used to record my own commentary and upload them on youtube that's amazing of the freedoms matches i'd find on like weird websites <laughs> can i They're still find now. these i was about to say I'm, I'm going looking for them right now and just hear a 13 year old david sprinkle going sick about freedoms matches yeah they're all gone now, but like I could, I remember the specific matches too. It was like June Kasai versus the Winger, yeah, and then like Kasai versus Masada or something like that. But like at one point, there was a video of thirteen-year-old Damon uh, doing commentary for uh, some Freedoms matches. That's amazing. And are you doing the whole thing, like doing their introductions and their weights and like- oh, everything? I gotta do you know the descriptions because I'm reading off the barely, you know the. Wiki, the wrestling wiki of them yeah. that has nothing. 
Yeah. Absolutely no information. But I'm like, yeah, I know about Jun Kasai. This is amazing. <laughs> I, wish, I wish they were still up. I'd be all over them. That'd be awesome. Freedom's like I've needs an English them, commentary. I can't find them. Yeah, yeah. Freedom's, you need English commentary. Get Damon back on it. It'd right? be awesome. <laughs> exactly. I'll do it with you. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. I, uh, I've seen Freedom's live, like, in Shinkiba, and it was, like, such an awesome venue, man. Like, it's so, uh, I'm sure Orange told you about it, but such, like, this small, intimate, cool venue. All the wrestlers are outside, like, um, like as you walk in, there's all the tables on the left, everybody just selling their gimmicks and stuff. There's a guy with a big coolie, you know, selling beers out of it and a, a food truck, and then you just go in and you're just in it. And it's straight through the door and it's mm. there, and they're like, that's your seat up there. And I, I sat on the stage to my left, Takeda just walked straight past me. Violento Jack just walked straight past me. And I'm like, this is wild. But uh, yeah, I'm, right. I'm pretty this sure awesome. it, I'd have to look up the date and maybe I've got to post it in the notes. Or so I have to look on it. But I'm pretty sure if you ever see that show, I'm pretty sure you can see me anytime they put up the house lights just going wild. Mm. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, I hope you get to do that, man. And I feel like when COVID lifts, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for international travel for wrestlers. I think people are going to be really hungry oh. to see people, and I think it'll be amazing. I know, I agree. Yeah, that's especially with, with like us being able to do the time bomb stuff now and getting that bigger. That yeah. once we're supposed to, we're able to bring in more talent. So it's going to be super awesome. Yeah, exactly. Well, that that's a natural segue. I was gonna I was gonna rewind, but let's quickly talk about it because time bomb is bringing in amazing talent in that. Minoru Suzuki is going to be performing for Time Bomb versus Dom Guarini. Uh, that one blow you away when it got announced? Eric, who runs Time Bomb, was like, hey, we're bringing in Suzuki. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the show, right? <laughs> He's like, of course. Of course. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Because yeah. that would have been really awkward. <laughs> because I'd be turning up anyway. <laughs> yeah, right? That's it. I have um I've met Suzuki many times. Uh in Japan we always go to his store. Um we've got like the big Suzuki gun towel, you know, uh we've seen him at various things. Um and he's like amazing. He always recognizes us because I guess you don't often see, you know, a big red bearded guy and like a girl with pink hair and a small Japanese girl getting around mm-hmm. together. Um, but I'm pretty sure, and again, I'd have to look at the date, but I may be the only person on camera, like, or uh, well, the three of us, the only people on camera that Suzuki has fist bumped in the crowd. He's broken kayfabe. When he came here to Perth, I would have to check the date when New Japan toured here to Perth, West Australia. He comes out of the ring. He defeated uh, Davis Storm, a long time well-respected WA wrestler, kind of created Australian wrestling almost. Uh, and then he sees us in the crowd and we've got the big Suzuki gun flag and he came over and fist bump each one of us and then mean mugs everybody else and leaves. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. Am I in Suzuki gun right now? Cause I think that's what just happened. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what just happened and it's on camera. So it right. is, it's true. It definitely <laughs> happened. People can find that. So, um, you're going to have an amazing time, man. He's a, he's a stern gentleman, but uh, I think he's a, a little bit nicer than some people make him out to be. Yeah, and I'm just excited to see that match as well. Yeah. Oh, of him versus Dom. Dude. It's just like, 
I know it's been Dom's dream to wrestle him. So yeah, yeah, exactly. What is um, what's Dom's status? So he, was he injured? Was he? Uh yeah. So I believe he has some spinal issues from oh. when he was a kid. Okay. And so they've been flaring back up, and he just doesn't know, you know, kind of where his future is right now. But he's like, I'm gonna make this happen. Definitely for Suzuki, I think it's worth it. Oh, absolutely! Is he? Uh, he's still the time bomb champion, isn't he? He's still the time bomb champ. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe Suzuki's um, the new time. I don't think champ. he's ever defended the belt. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because that was his whole thing. He was like, "I'm not doing any deathmatch defenses. Like, it's only going to be uh, professional wrestling and all that kind of stuff." I was loving it. The first show I saw of Time Bomb was the Murder Basement show where he beat Oren for that title. Okay, yeah, that's a good show. It was great because I, yeah. I, I had heard about it on um, Your Dose of Death when Oren was on there. Shout out to Lauren. Um, and I was like, i got to go check this out. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I've since kind of caught some other things. I caught your death match with Oren. I believe, was that like your first really serious death match? Uh, which one? Because we've had a couple. The, I don't know the date, but like the murder basement. Uh, yeah, so the, the murder basement was actually the second one. Oh, okay, so that I was the, the second one. the first one with Oren. Yeah, I actually had a first one with Oren a year before. Okay. At uh, ICW Milwaukee. Right. And that was right before he went to Japan mm-hmm. for the first time. That was like his last match before he left. Okay. And I like, just murdered his back on a German suplex and just completely shredded it. Granted, he called it, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. But he completely shredded it back on a back suplex, and like three days later, he's in Japan, almost, you know, almost getting arrested. <laughs> it's like, getting yeah, accused quite a of week. murder. Yeah. <laughs> right? That was such a wild story. Like, maybe murder? And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> If anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, go listen to the Oren interview. Um, yeah, right. that, that is wild. Awesome, man. Okay, so so let's rewind a little bit. So you are you're starting to you've graduated high school, you've graduated wrestling school, and you're you're starting to wrestle. I know Time Bomb has kind of been the main thing for you recently as you've been breaking out. So where does Time Bomb come in? How how long is it before you sort of meet them and sort of get dragged into that? Time bomb was quite a while, actually. Yeah. Like a good... Because initially, me, Oren, and some other guys would always go to ICW Milwaukee. Um, and then Oren had did a couple matches with Eric, you know, for Eric at Time Bomb, was like, hey, you had your first match at ICW, you know, your first death match. You should come have one at Time Bomb. Right. We had planned out and then the pandemic hit yeah so that would have been probably in march of 2020 um that was when the first one was supposed to happen my first match for time bomb so i hadn't even met eric and then 10 months pass wow and eric messaged me and was like hey we still need to get that death match this idea about this basement show yeah i was like okay sure so that basement show, the first one where I wrestled Oren was my first match for Time Bomb. Yeah, wow. Technically, I did some stuff before them earlier, some, like, young boy stuff. But, like, that was my first match for them. 
Yeah, right, right. So, so that's where I was mixing it up. I was thinking that was also your first death match, but it was your first like time bomb match. Yeah, that was my first time on my. That was only my second death match. Yeah, well, <laughs> actually, <laughs> it's still pretty mental though. So, yeah. um, I know that Oren said that like when you talk to him about doing death matches, he's like, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, you need to be serious about it and go all in. Obviously, you were a big deathmatch fan, man, so that mustn't have taken much thought for you. That was something you'd been wanting to do for quite a while, right? Yeah, that was always the plan. Like, yeah, I had watched, like, from when I was 15 and 16, I'd watch CCW shows and be like, wow. Again, with, like, the whole Big Japan stuff and all the Freedom stuff, I was like, yeah, this is something I want to do, but you didn't really see like the deathmatch guys being able to do other things mm-hmm. or like doing, you know, being able to accomplish other things in the business. And then slowly but surely we started to see guys that were able to do it both. Absolutely. And then that, that's when I was kind of like, okay, this is like a vibe. I can do both. Cause yeah. my, you know, I've always loved like the, you know, it's all meme now, but, like, the King's Road stuff and the Deathmatch stuff. Like, I've always loved both, and I wanted to do both. Yeah. Um, so, like, seeing all that made it, and then, like, of course I trust Oren with my life, so that was the first guy I was like, hey, I, I think I'm ready. And he was like, all right, if you think you're ready, we're going to go all in. Yeah. You know, we don't want to be doing this for the clout now, so. <laughs> go hard do it for real, show it the respect it deserves. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Deathmatch, like, and I think the COVID era did it, like, has never been more viable, more accepted, uh, and and more respected, you know? And you've got all these amazing, talented wrestlers blending styles all the time, hybrids between, like you said, King's Road and Strong Style and Deathmatch, and putting these together in, in such, like, unique ways, you know, that that yeah you can you can do it all now and it's it's not looked down on as like some garbage wrestling if anything it's almost like a badge of honor which is i think pretty amazing yeah like one of my favorite japanese wrestlers is shuji ishikawa yes and he had like a crazy big japan run yeah. and then went and won the all japan triple crown yeah i was like oh okay yeah so you know any deathmatch guy or at least you know any good deathmatch guy can go and do, you know, essentially the Triple Crown is the, you know, all Japan title. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's huge. he's able to do both. You yeah. Know? And I mean, Jun Kasai just recently was like on all Japan, like as their like TV mm-hmm. champion and stuff. And I, I didn't know this until recently. I don't know how I didn't know it, but like Honma from like Great Brash Heel on New Japan, like used to be a deathmatch wrestler. I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first guys to ever use a light tube in a match. He pulled it from a roof and wasted some dude with it. Like, And I was like, I didn't know that like croaky voice Honma used to be this like deathmatch icon. Right? And it's like guys like that too. You're like, okay, like you can do both. Yeah. You know, you can do all of this. You can, I want to be able to do everything in wrestling. So, like, being able to do normal stuff and deathmatch stuff and all of it, it's just part of me because I grew up watching everything. So what's that like then? Uh, Oren said, drop in, feet first, let's go. It's something you've been wanting to do for a very long time. What's that first experience actually like? Was it like what you thought was the the adrenaline as high as you thought it was going to be? Was the uh, 
repair and aftercare afterwards as bad as you thought it was going to be, you know? Was it a bit of a wake-up call or was it where just everything was like, this is what I want to do? It was interesting because, like, I remember all the way before it, Oren's like, hey, like, once the first, by two breaks, you're going to go. That's what he always tells us. He's like, once once the first light tube's broken, you're going to be like, oh, okay, we're in the zone. Mm-hmm. But before then, you're just going to want to go home. <laughs> so I was looking at the gusset plates, mm-hmm. and Oren's like, how do you feel? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, extremely nervous. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, well, I want to go home before every match. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so go out there and have fun. So I was like, all right. So I bring out the gusset plates and just sitting in the ring, just full of stuff, kind of like ICW, no holds barred, where it's just like full of crap in the ring yeah. versus like stuff on the outside. Uh-huh. And it's just like, you're just looking around, you're like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. And then Oren comes out and we kind of do a little bit. And I'm still like super nervous because even up to them before you, because you don't know how anything's going to feel. Yeah. And then we kind of broke a door, and then he's like, all right, I'll break the first light tube, and it'll be all good. And, like, the first light over my head, and I was like, oh, okay. Now, all right, this is it. I was like, as soon as that first light tube breaks, it's just like a switch goes off. Or at least first weapon breaks, it's it does, it's definitely like a switch. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I ask you this? So I, I, I think everybody could kind of relate to this feeling. So you ever, like, say you're in the middle of something at work, and you, I don't know, you're pulling something down off a shelf or or something like that, and something like lands on you, or or you're trying to get somewhere and a, and a hook kind of clips your thing or whatever, and you instantly have this snap of rage where you go motherfucker, and you turn around and you're like, you know, punch a box or whatever. <laughs> There's like this flare up kind of thing. When that happens, is that almost like the feeling you get, like oh, let's go kind of thing, like that that fight or flight kind of reaction where you're like, okay, it's go time. Yeah, I think so. It's def- It definitely feels like it's go time. Yeah. Like, the first light tube break is just, like, the perfect thing because it's, like, a little explosion, and you're just like, okay, Makes a cool we're noise. Going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. But it, it is, like, it's calming. It's weird, but it's, like, as soon as that first light tube breaks, like, it's, all right, now we're in it. Like, all the nerves kind of just wash away. Yeah. That's awesome. Just like among amongst all the the noise and chaos and stuff, you're just like, okay, we're doing it now. Yeah, and then like then you have CW Milwaukee. It's like very tiny bar, you know, piece of crap, but it's so intimate. It just sounds like a stadium. It's just yeah. so loud. That's awesome. But you know, they they just pack you know a hundred people in there, but it's just so loud. And like again, after that match, I was like, all right, how do I go? Can we do this but harder? <laughs> next time like let's go let's go longer you're like hey Oren, like, hey. you know that pussy shit you just brought that time what if we just ramped it up next time <laughs> right <laughs> that, that was fun which we did just a year later that's you know awesome. yeah it yeah. just happened to be the way it went but. yeah because that murder basement uh death match was no joke oh that was probably the most brutal match i've ever been through in my entire life yeah dude it was like they, they could kill each other here, or one person could die, and they could just close off this basement, and nobody ever knows that it happened. <laughs> like, just leave mm-hmm. the body here and move on. <laughs> it's funny because, like, the little thing that we're all landing on the little stage is just a piece of wood. Yeah, that like yeah. the little 
fake ring is just like a piece of wood too. Yeah. Like it was better just fall, you know, falling, getting thrown through stuff than just falling straight on that <laughs> actual stage in the basement. Yeah. Wow. You're like, put me through some more glass. At least it's going to comfort the blow, like rather than the ring. Right. They're just falling on, on just wood. Yeah, that's savage. Um, so after that. Obviously, the the next kind of big one that I was aware of was Planet Death, and that was like a really big opportunity for you and for for Ricky Norrin. Um, I know, like Alex or Alex Cologne, who put on Planet Death, uh, asked Oren what he wanted to do, and he sort of vouched for you guys and wanted to to have that match with you guys. How how was that entire experience, man? That was a really big day. Um, obviously, like amazing things and amazing matches throughout the entire thing. Was it like intimidating to get you know dropped onto that platform yeah it was definitely interesting yeah um especially like with the whole wrestlemania thing and the whole covid thing and the tampa thing it was just like all mixed into one yeah um no it was definitely a good experience and just being in the locker room surrounded by people that are like at the top of the craft that's something that you want to do is definitely like a humbling experience, I guess. Uh-huh, appropriate. Um, yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's so many accomplished guys there, you know, that it must be amazing because you can sort of, like, you know, listen to what they're saying, watch how it goes, receive critiques, all that kind of stuff. Were you happy with how the match went? Like, it was obviously a three-way dance, which isn't the easiest type of match to do. Um but you're in there with two guys that you know and respect. Um, how did it all like come out for you? Were you happy with the end result? Yeah, I think the match went about as well as it could have, mm-hmm. just given like the circumstances in between, you know, behind everything. Like, funny enough, in that match, I remember we were going to do like the tiger driver through that pane of glass, uh-huh. and there was the knife board underneath. Yeah, and like the wind picked up the knife board. I remember. <laughs> so if you see, yeah, if you see the clip, you can see it like starting to fly away. Just wash away. <laughs> and, yeah, I was like, oh, no. I could actually murder Oren <laughs> on this if, like, the knife board flew somewhere it wasn't supposed to. Yeah, exactly. As it just floats up and stabs into his neck or something like that. He doesn't have the best track record with knife boards, so he's not the one you're like, can someone get this the fuck out of here? <laughs> right? Yeah, and then, yeah, so, like, that match was interesting. And then I remember like talking to Ricky the day before because mm-hmm. I had never done two death matches in a day. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I wonder what it would be like to do two death matches in a day, mm-hmm. which I did after Planet Death when we went to ICW. I got brought on last second. And that's like a whole other story. So, so uh, you do Planet Death, and uh, what did you do at ICW? Oh uh, yeah, we went over because they had the no holds barred at the same time as uh, WrestleMania. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, that's so right. We and and drove who, who did you wrestle over there? I saw this. I wrestled uh, Alex Ocean. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, exactly. No, that was cool. That was cool. Uh, shout out Alex Ocean, former guest of the show. Great dude. Mm. Um. So yeah, you so <laughs> you went. Oh, I wonder what it'd be like to do two, and then just a second one <laughs> appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> Because I remember specifically we were eating Wendy's because uh-huh. we had to drive because there was like a hurricane warning like as soon as Planet Death ended, oh, wow. like as soon as Cologne versus Lucky 13 ended, mm-hmm. 
we had to like evacuate the entire place. Oh, really? Sweet. So yeah. And that didn't last a super long time, but we basically raced to where the IWTV stuff was. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting down eating Wendy's, and it was like five minutes before the show started. Mm-hmm. Oren says it's an hour, but it was definitely five minutes before. Yeah. And Oren comes up and goes, All right, you're on. I was like, I'm what? <laughs> He's like, you're on. I was like, oh. Okay. Right. <laughs> Just walk through that curtain. Like, you're wrestling right. right this second. <laughs> right? But yeah. And he was like, all right, it's you versus Alex Ocean. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Because I think Brandon Kirk had gotten his nose broken or something. Yeah, that's Atlanta. right. Yeah, yeah. He had, like, Brandon. I remember Brandon Kirk being on so many shows. Like at that time, you know, like he was on everything. And I was like, mm-hmm. how can one man do so much? And the answer was he couldn't because his body gave way on him. <laughs> I guess that's brutal. So that's how I got, yeah, the ICW match, which that match is funny too because I never ended up talking to, was it Larry Legend who does the, you know, announcing or whatever. Yeah. I never talked to him about like my name, uh-huh. my nickname or anything, my weight. Yeah. It's like when I came out there, he literally did not know who I was. So when I took the microphone, it was like a full thing. So I'm like, oh crap. I think I have to announce myself. <laughs> was he just looking at you like, who is this guy? Yeah, right. Because he never, because like the show had started already by the time I got brought on to do everything. Mm-hmm. So it was like, we actually had no time to talk. Yeah. So it's like, funny enough, is like that moment of me, like when I took the mic from him was just because I was like, oh, crap, this is bad. (laughs) Remind me, man, because I watch so much wrestling. I definitely watch this match, but remind me. So what do you do? Do you just snatch the mic from him and you're like, I'm Damon Spreakalem, (laughs) that kind of thing? Well, I try to do the thing kind of like, oh, you know, Mr. Kennedy, my trainer. Yeah, yeah. Like where I grabbed it and did like a very long announcement where I like, and I, he is the world's most humble professional and, like, went on a whole tirade. Yeah. And then did the long Damon Spriggle. <laughs> kind of like I was just, you know, mocking him a little bit. Even though I guess it was more in jest. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you, um, shout out to Larry Legend. He's the best. Have you, did you speak to him after the match? You're like, sorry about that. <laughs> I just had to make it work. Yeah, yeah. No, he was like, no, it was good. Like, yeah. you didn't. I didn't shit on him or anything, so he's like, okay, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was good, because like, we legit didn't know who each other were. You know? Yeah, exactly. And what's he going to do, right? Like, If anything, you did the best thing for him. Otherwise, he's like, and here's some guy. Uh, who are you? Like, It's mm-hmm. awkward and weird, you know? So you just <laughs> did the best with what you had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, it kind of just made for a fun moment. Just kind of out of the blue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I'm a huge ICW fan, man. I'd love to see you back on more of their stuff. That would be that would be really cool. Um, your style, dude. I, I mentioned this uh, on on a previous thing when I was speaking to Oren again. That's all we're talking about. Sorry, Oren, uh, <laughs> but but it's all relevant. Uh, I was saying, like, when I uh, saw those matches, you almost reminded me like the fire that you had almost reminded me of like a deathmatch young lion. You know, like there's a part where you're just like, yeah, and screaming and going nuts. So is that something like that fire and stuff? Obviously, big Japanese wrestling fans, is that something that you try and uh, mold yourself into and try and replicate? Uh, I attempt to. I, I just try to be 
Yeah, yeah, I would say yeah, definitely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the black trunks and black boots and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's a like. I guess I would. I'm really, I really like Sakamoto and guys like that, and like yeah, they kind of like and in Big Japan. They kind of, you know, all their normal guys kind of only wear the black trunks and the black gear and stuff. Yeah. And sometimes they end up doing the deathmatch stuff, too. So I was like, oh, well, I'm a big fan of that. And, like, if I'm going to be humble, then I can make my gear kind of humble, which is just my excuse to have generic gear. Um, But, yeah, that was kind of the inspiration behind that. And, yeah, like, deathmatch... Young Lion, or, you know, Deathmatch Young Boy isn't, like, the worst thing to think about. No. Well, there, there's... Nobody else does that. You know what I mean? Everybody mm-hmm. everybody will come out. There's a cut-off T-shirt. There's, you know, there's uh, cargo shorts or whatever, or, or, you know, skinny jeans. There's, like... You know, that kind of vibe is very prevalent in Deathmatch Wrestling. And then here you come, and like you say, like a, a big Japan wrestler or something like that, you're just in black trunks and black boots and you're out there still doing all the same crazy stuff that they are. Um, Safety-wise, yeah. does that concern you? I know I, I've heard guys talk about, you know, veins and arteries in legs and, and things like that, and that's why they wear, you know, heavier gear and stuff. Is it of a concern, like, when you approach that thing, or should I not be saying that because you've never considered it? <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've considered Like, I try to usually wear the kilt when I'm doing, like, death matches and hardcore stuff. Yeah. And, like, the kill just came because it was different. Again, like, it's not... It's super simple. I was like, no one wears a kilt. I'm going to wear one. Yeah, I was going to ask about you about it. the kilt, actually. <laughs> As somebody of Scottish descent, I was like, oh, what's what's going on with that? So, yeah, that was, again, yeah, just, was just to do something different. Yeah, that was it. I was like, no one's wearing a kilt. Like, Kobe, you know, Abdullah Kobayashi wears, like, the really long one that goes to his ankles. Yeah. Like the, the longer, so I was like, I'll just wear a kilt, and then I had the idea to rip it off, just having all the trunk, and then would be only in trunks. Yeah. So I guess the idea behind the safety thing is like do most of the crazy stuff before I rip off the only thing protecting my legs. <laughs> then go into the then, finish from there for the visual, for the visual sake. <laughs> oh man, that that's so funny. It's like um. Old mate from New Japan with his tear away pants. I'm mind blanking. Yeah, tai Chi, God damn it, I'm I'm mind blanking today. But yeah, where where Tai Chi has the tear away pants in like the most like extreme moment of the match, uh, he tears them away. It's kind of the same sort of vibe, right? Yeah, kind of. But yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't have a kilt, so it's not the same. That's true, exactly. Like, I'm inspired by it. I didn't steal it, I got inspired by it. Yeah, exactly. And plus, if you go on and do good things uh, after you tear it away, that's a good thing. Like, whenever Tai Chi does it, he's almost immediately cut off the second he does it. Like, he kind of does it, and he goes for a kick, he misses, and then gets fucked up. So, you can can do it that, like, you only pull it off before you're about to destroy somebody. Yeah, I try to to limit it, like, specifically, because at some point I want it to be a big deal, right, if I rip off the kilt. So I try not to do it very often, only, like, really important matches. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it doesn't... I'm kind of just dealing my hand here and telling everyone my secrets or whatever. 
<laughs> ah, that's all. That's all part of it, you know. They want to see it. Everybody wants to see that. Plus, you know, anything mm-hmm. where you've got a detachable part of gear, you can always use as a weapon as well. You tear it off, you put it over somebody's head like you're in an ice hockey fight. There's things you can do, you know, to to use it. Soak it in gasoline, set somebody on fire. You know, these kind of things. That, that's true, yeah. Very basic deathmatch things to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly right. Now, that, that's awesome, man. Um, so I guess the, the next question is, what's next for you, man? Uh, obviously, you're still doing time bomb stuff. Um, you seem to be out there and staying busy. Have you got any big goals? Uh, you want to try and do some tournaments? Well, what's next for Damon Sprinkle? Uh, really what's next is just like continuing to make time bomb as big as possible and continuing to have shows there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and just continuing to get work outside. Like my goal right now is just to get as good as possible. Yeah. That like, that's about it. Mm-hmm. I just want to get really good. Unfortunately, like right now there's like no rings around Minnesota cause there's like a whole thing with that. So it's kind of I'm like at a weird point now, but like, yeah, that's really the goal, is I just want to get really good. Yeah, but that's awesome. I mean, you're so yeah. young and young into your career. That kind of should be the main focus, I guess. You know what I mean? You're still learning. You're still developing. Uh, you're surrounded by some really talented people. So it's just to work as much as possible and keep developing. You know what I mean? Like the platform, Like I, I'm sure there's a lot of guys where you talk to experienced guys that would like, I would love to be where he was when I was that age or like when I was that new into the business and have those opportunities because they, those opportunities and experience and stuff didn't exist then. You know what I mean? There wasn't an IWTV. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that. So you're able to approach this stuff really positively and, and in the right way at like such a young age, which gives you a huge advantage, man. Like I can only imagine, you know, where you'll be down the track. Yeah, and I already get people that complain to me constantly that they wish they would have started wrestling earlier, like when I started. Yeah. I was like, well, good thing that's when I started that. <laughs> exactly right. Like, could you imagine, like, somebody, when when you hit, like, you know, your prime age, you know, like when you're talking early 30s and stuff, when a lot of people are like, this is like go time and stuff, and you're already that seasoned. You know, you've been through deathmatch yeah. wars, you've been on TV, you know how to look for cameras, like you know all this stuff and you've got got the chance to like learn at the knee of like some pretty impressive people. Like it can only make you into like a much more, you know, um, amazing wrestler. Yeah, I just like, I guess an, I, if we just add a goal, like I just want to continue to wrestle guys and girls that are better than me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that's the main goal right now, you know, it's a very humble you know, I can thing to say. wrestle locally and wrestle the same dudes all the time or whatever. But like at this point, I just really want to wrestle a bunch of people that are like way better than me. Yeah. Then I can just be like, Oh wow. <laughs> I have, you know, long ways to go. Absolutely. And that's where the humble thing comes into it, right? Like stay that way, yeah, stay, yeah, right. stay humble, stay hungry, keep learning. And then you're going to be on, on the right track for success. Yeah, then the one day I can demand humbleness instead of... (laughs) (laughs) As everybody humbles themselves to you. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, It's like... Yeah, I'm just trying to make it my reality, so I just continue to say it. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it, dude. Man, at the end of the show, I do the gimmick where I ask people what they're feeling in wrestling. So 
if you had to recommend anything right now, a wrestler, a match, a show to check out or whatever, what would you say, bro? Uh, Time Bomb Pro. Yep. Like, they have Time Bomb's got shows on YouTube, IWTV, and, of course, the show coming up. Uh, we got two. We got one in Minneapolis before then, but uh, Suzuki versus Dom, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's the show to look forward to. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Huge. So, like, I want to put over Time Bomb on everything. That's amazing. It's cool that you've got that home team as well. You know what I mean? Like a promotion that supports you and that you support. It gives you, like, a good platform to, to keep moving forward with. Oh, yeah, and it's like just gives me a place to always go back to. Yeah. Like, no matter what, it's like, okay, I'll always have a place where they'll know me and I'll be over at least. I hope so. <laughs> when I flame out <laughs> everywhere else, I can uh, trot back in there and hopefully they remember me. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's not going to happen, man. There's, uh, there's great things ahead <laughs> for you. I absolutely know it, man. Dude, thank you so much for your time. It's been great getting to know you today. Uh, I hope you've had fun and I, I look forward to seeing where you get to next. I don't know. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. No worries. So everybody out there, check out Time Bomb. Check out Damon Spriggle. Check out everything that these guys have to offer. It's all over IWTV. It's all over YouTube. And it's well worth the price of admission. Go back. Check out Planet Death. See Damon Spriggle versus Oren Veidt versus Ricky Noren. Uh, you can see the Time Bomb murder basement shows with death matches with these guys killing each other during a pandemic in the basement of a a shop or something like that. Skate shop, I think they said it was. Um, And, yeah, it's just great stuff. So for Damon Spriggle and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view.